and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And Liam, this week we're hitting a franchise that we've talked about a lot that we almost did every single week of season two so far. We thought about doing this and it's something that's been on the list for a while. So um, I don't know about you, but maybe this should feel like a big grand reveal. But we're finally talking about a Tremors movie. Um, you know, that's right, yeah. all, for all the big Trem heads in the chat, because, you know, we have, we have a live chat that we're looking at, of course. And, um, you know, we got the Trem heads in there. Those are people that love Tremors. Of course, you know that because you're you were big Trem heads. And um, we've been talking about Tremors a lot. And we were like, we really got to get on this Tremors train that everyone's all aboard. As we just discussed briefly off mic, there's a there's an upcoming Tremors film. So we really got to catch the zeitgeist while it's hot. You know what I mean? Yeah, a Tremors has never been bigger than it is right now. That's People why it's can't a franchise. Get enough of Tremors right well, now. Well, that's why that's why it's been a franchise for thirty years. It's just every day it just gets better. Yeah, a day has not gone by where Tremors as a concept has not aged like a fine wine. And so we thought, do we want to talk about the Snow one? Do we want to talk about the prequel? Do we want to wait and talk about the new one that we didn't really know existed until recently? And we said, no, fuck all of that. Let's do the the OG sequel. Let's do the classic Tremors 2 Aftershock. Yeah, because it's still on brand, right? Pardon I me. I, Tremors 2 Aftershocks. There's more <laughs> than one. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize this existed just as much as I didn't know that there were seven of them. You know, like I I've always known that Tremors is a franchise that's still going, but I hear as little about Tremors 2 as I do about Tremors 5 or 6. So but it felt it felt like we could pick any one of them. You were up to date enough to know that there was six of them though. So like are you Yeah. I I did say just now that you're a Trem head and that may not be entirely accurate, but like is Tremors something you're like very aware of is it something that you like we yeah well, really i talked about it i thought you knew this because you were outing us as huge trem heads earlier in the episode maybe <laughs> i maybe i actually am the only trem head in this chat because Spoiler, you yeah are. i i totally i love tremors dude it's uh it's one of the first movies i ever remember watching i was probably what how has that yeah. not come up yet uh i don't know man i i, keep I guess my we hadn't talked about tremors chest. yet yeah. Uh, I, I probably saw it when I was five or six years old. You know, it's it's one of those movies that's tied to a house I lived in as a kid. So so I think of it and I think of childhood, like young, young childhood. So I was I was super young. It would have been around the time I saw an American werewolf in London and Carrie and uh, my parents had tremors on TV. I think my dad must have been watching it. Um, so he showed it to me and man, I loved it. Uh, this one. Unlike American Werewolf in London and Carrie, I didn't find scary at all. I just, the tone is so, um, it is, it's comedic. And even as a kid, I could latch onto it. It very much feels like an action adventure movie. And I was a kid that liked gory stuff and horror stuff. And so when you actually do see the graboids and, and get some gnarly practical effects, I thought it was so much fun. A whole lot of, uh, daylight sequences. And so that helps with, uh, um, the fear factor helps appeal <laughs> helps appeal to a kid who like loved the Sandlot and stuff. So I I I really really love Tremors. Um, I watched it 
probably three years ago, I decided to revisit it. I was just home uh, alone on a Saturday night and I thought I would watch Tremors for the first time in a long time. Had a great time with it. And then just this past January, I watched it in a hotel room because it was on cable. So my girlfriend and her family and I watched Tremors and it's just a, it's a, it's a kick-ass movie. And so through that, I have known that there are a whole lot of sequels. Um, and just in the horror community, it's kind of brought up that like, Tremors, Children of the Corn, Hellraiser. These are all movies that somehow managed to spawn so many sequels that no one ever actually really sees. So uh, I don't know anything about the Tremors sequels and um, I've, I've never been so interested to see them the same way I was never interested to see Carrie 2, but that one ended up paying off. And so God I was kind of, right. I, I was just looking forward to going into this uh Kind of thinking maybe it's a Carrie too, but maybe it's also a um, American Werewolf in Paris. Well, I, I kind of like that one, but maybe it is an American Werewolf yeah. in Paris because I didn't like that as much as Carrie too. So yeah, you're right. Or maybe it's a uh, Book of Shadows. Or yeah, yeah, Book of Shadows. That's a much better comparison. We have yeah. too many reference points. Well, that I'm really glad we do, man, because that's uh, I think that's one of the cool things about this podcast is we really are becoming scholars in all these different sequels and reboots and the way that they can happen. And I think, you know, five years from now, my goal is to have a, a huge essay thesis penned all about sequels and reboots and all the citations will just be this podcast. Our own show, yeah, we, we've become the experts. We've written ourselves into being the preeminent face of that scholarship and the grant money is just going to roll in and it's going to help us buy new podcasting equipment. That's all we need. Um, (laughs) So, um, so the sequels then you just kind of never bothered with that. You knew about them, but you did, you were just like, I I don't know Kevin Bacon. Then it's not for me. That's right. And I, and I did know, I, I knew that one dude from the original was in every sequel and he was the dude that was like carrying it on 30 years later. And so I knew that these weren't totally removed from the original. Um, but also, yeah, it's just, it's just not one of those movies that ever, that ever hooked me in that way. And I decided to really go deep. There's so many movies aren't, you know, um, Most as, as many, mo- dare I say it, yeah, like as as many movies as I love, a whole lot of them we're learning have sequels that I've never seen just because you if you don't hear about sequels um, to movies you like, then it's just like it's often you don't check them out because you already figure that, hey, the people probably like don't dig these. And I'm not just I'm not really the personality type to devour everything that's even tangentially related right. to something I like. Like I'm I'm cool sticking with the original Um but I like this podcast because it's showing me that sometimes those deep dives are cool. Yeah. Carry two. And you know, and that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> uh, I do find it funny that, um, and this is something we've obviously talked about a lot, like over the, I was about to say over the years, that's not entirely accurate over the year ish that we've been doing. This is the weird propensity to assume if you haven't heard about a sequel, it's probably bad because that mindset doesn't really track because it's like, if you just said if you hadn't heard of a movie, it would probably be bad. Like that's such a nonsense way of looking at the world about anything. Well, but like, it, it just is doesn't make when, sense. It is when you break it down logically, but I know I and other people certainly feel that way. Like you get to a point where you're clicking through Netflix and you're like, I've seen everything good. Like I've seen everything. There's nothing right. else to watch. And there are so many movies you haven't seen, Everybody but it's else like, looks like asylum movies. 
yeah, like because the thumbnail doesn't grab you or the one line description doesn't grab you and you haven't seen it, you're like, that's bad. And so I've seen everything good. I've already, I feel that way about bands sometimes too. I'm just like, I love the bands I know so much that like, this Counting is it. Pros. That's <laughs> uh, it. That's all you got. I, f- I found the, the one best band and now I'm good, you know? Is that two weeks in a row we've managed to talk about Counting Crows? Uh, yeah, that's, that's, we're going to need a button for that. You know, we'll work on it, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, send the send the soundboard off to the shop right now. We won't be able to use it this episode, but just know it's under construction with that new Counting Crows button. We'll yeah. take the hit this week. When it comes back, Jason's going to have 18 buttons ready all about Counting Crows songs. Oh my gosh, I would be so happy. <laughs> yes, but, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I'm looking at the poster for Tremors 2 Aftershocks right now. I don't know if it would necessarily make me watch the film. You know what I mean? Like, I get what you're saying about, like, if a thumbnail nowadays doesn't hook you, you're, the movie's kind of fucked. Because, like, this looks really dumb, and I love all kinds of dumb shit, but this does not look dumb in a way that and, I find fascinating. And, like, we're already into subtitle territory. It's the second movie, and you're already into Aftershocks. Like, just call it Tremors, too, Or bro. just I, call it Tremors Aftershocks. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um... I do like the boldness of Tremors 3 back to perfection. I know perfection is like an actual place, but what yeah, an incredible but, title. Yeah, that is a kind of clever double entendre. I think it's uh, yeah, it's directed by someone different than the first two movies. So he's like, now nah, fuck that well, other sequel. First, I'm bringing first, it back. The first two movies aren't directed by the same person. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Oh, okay. I just, okay. So it's okay. I get what you mean. I got it. Don't worry about it. I'm keeping up. Gotcha. Head on a swivel. Um, and actually, to your other point, I uh, I don't know if I'm the kind of person to really dive into like everything, everything about um, a franchise either. So like, I don't know, even through this show, like I've watched the originals and a lot of franchises that I really, really like now. And I still have not gone to the sequels that I know are good. Case in point, still have not watched A Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Keep telling you that I'm going to watch A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and I just haven't yet. <laughs> So that's right. If yeah. I can't even get myself to watch a movie that I want to see actively, Tremors 2 Aftershocks is a much harder sell, in part because I am not a Trem head. Um, I've definitely mm. seen some clips of the first Tremors. I was vaguely aware of what it was, like aliens in the ground, big worms. I, I assumed they were aliens. Evidently, they're not. But um, I, uh, I knew that there was like basically some kind of rednecky hijinks with some big, big creatures. And that's a fun enough concept, especially if the movie's aware of what it's doing. So I was down to sort of dive headfirst deep into the into the oil fields of Tremors 2 and see what we were in for. But other than that, I've got basically no knowledge whatsoever. Well, hey, that's that's normally a good recipe for uh, these episodes that yeah. we do. So I'm, I'm excited. Again, I yearn for the episodes where you don't know anything. And then I can know... A lot or nothing, but I do like the episodes where we manage to not have you be the unintentional expert. <laughs> and the amount of times that I don't even know that because you don't tell me. And then we get here and you're just like, actually, I was born loving Tremors. That's right. Yeah, that is the way it seems. <laughs> My mom and like... birthed me while watching Tremors 2 in 1996. 
And it, it would make more sense if I, uh, <laughs> Tremors 2 specifically, she was at the premiere. Yeah. Um, it, w- it would make more sense if I, like, reverse engineered and, like, manipulated the situation so that we're steering towards stuff I actually love. But in most of these cases, I don't even remember how these franchises come up. You know, leave it to Beaver, uh, this, That's and Maniac very story. well. Like, all might have been your idea, you know? So it is... Maniac it's, was it's, definitely it's kind of fun. Idea. Yeah, that, that one I know I'm, for sure, at least. Eventually, I'll run out of these because I've only lived so much life. But until then, you We're know, about to find out well how much life you've truly lived. <laughs> um, so here's a good way to live your life. I'm gonna read the casting crew of Tremors Two Aftershocks. Um, Let's do it. So it is directed by S. S. Wilson, which is also the name of a boat, probably. And um, <laughs> and he's most known for sailing across the Atlantic Ocean and also writing Short Circuit, Batteries Not Included, Short Circuit 2, Wild Wild West, other Tremors stuff up to the fourth movie. And then this movie is also written by Brent Maddock, who is known for Short Circuit, Short Circuit 2, <laughs> Batteries not included. Wild Wild West and others Tremors stuff up to the fourth movie. And th- no wonder they've made so many. It's a close-knit gang. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and then uh, it is edited by Bob uh, Duxay, who you might know as the editor of The Mummy, The Mummy Returns, Godzilla 2014, Looper, Knives Out, and also The Mummy return of the dragon king or whatever that movie's called for some reason that's the only title i don't have in front of me that i wanted to say the mummy return no the mummy tomb tomb of the dragon emperor we got there uh, cinematography is by virgil l harper and music liam i had mentioned the music earlier um mm-hmm. it's by jay ferguson he's done two interesting very different things and i'm just going to tell you what they are He's done a few other things, but these were the most interesting to me. One, the soundtrack to A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. Cool. Two, the theme song to The Office. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He got there first, man. Good on him, because if he didn't get there in, like, 2005 when it happened, someone else would have, because that melody is so easy to just, like, pick out on whatever instrument you're you're on. It's like like he wrote Hot Cross Buns, like, before (laughs) everyone else in the 2000s it's wild <laughs> dude sat down and said do re me of his own volition hey, it is, it is amazing it yeah it's a pretty know. iconic tune but is it as iconic as a nightmare on elm street 5 soundtrack well we'll find out one of these days i guess <laughs> dude i i bet from this point on or at least for the rest of the season we could only do movies that are related to the cast and crew of tremors 2 and we would we would have a wealth of material so what it sounds like i've already put short circuit 2 on the list and we got to do the mummy returns now (laughs) that's right yeah we could also technically do that godzilla movie Mm -hmm. yeah we got a lot of options we could do uh, the British version of The Office because people forget about that one sometimes, even it though reverse. it was first. But do we have? <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if I want to watch a Ricky Gervais television program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know if I'd want to do that either. <laughs> um, and then uh, cast of this movie is really short. It is one, two, three, four, five, six, eight people. We got Fred Ward, 
who uh, I told you that I thought he looked like Neil Breen. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You know what? I was trying to put my finger on it, and I don't know if that's where my finger was headed. But once you said it, I was like, that's where my Dude, finger's going anyway. Because that is like Neil Breen. <laughs> yeah. Like a, a whole lot. It's like if Neil Breen didn't get hit with like a couple weirdo sticks, <laughs> then he would look like this. Because this is a good looking guy. Yeah. Um, but he does, like, he, looks he looks very looks much like Neil in Breen. The way that like the Marlboro man would look good, right? Like, he's like a cowboy-ass man. Yeah. He's a cow man. You know how you know how there are, like, some celebrities who uh, you, you learn that they have a sibling that somehow just, like, didn't quite get the good, the good look gene? And it's yeah. like, oh, man, they got to live with that. I feel like Neil Breen is, is, the, is the brother of Fred Ward in that way. <laughs> They're spiritual brothers. Yeah. Um, also, speaking of movies that we could cover on this show, uh, Christopher Garton plays Grady Hoover, and he's in Parent Trap 3. Holy shit, are you kidding? Does that exist? Yeah, it's a, it was a TV movie. Oh, dude, I'm writing that down right now. That <laughs> I've never heard of that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, also, cool. he, was in, he was also in Mother. Like the Darren oh, the, Aronofsky the Aaron- movie. Oh, and that's a pretty small cast. Well, except for like, unless he's like an extra near think, the end. I think he, he's his character name is Adulterer. I don't know if that means anything to you. Not offhand, but yeah. th- but because he has a uh, a title like that, that means he's probably in a significant in little scene. Yeah, yeah cool. Um, then he's in a few other things too, but like whatever. That I wanted to point those out. Uh, Helen Shaver is Doctor Kate Riley. Michael Gross is Burt Gummer. I think that's who you meant when it's he's the guy who just kind of does all of them or will do. I think he did all four of them anyway. The first four. Yeah, no, he's still going, dude. He's, he's going to be with Napoleon dynamite. Are in we the seventh sure? One. I've confirmed it already. Wow. Okay. Good for yeah. Get the secure the bag, Mike. Get paid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Marcelo, uh, Tuber, uh, as Senor Carlos Ortega, which is fun because they really sort of lean into, the how mexican this movie is and then all the mexican characters die or vanish so i don't know why they spend so much time building that up and then we have marco hernandez as julio jose rosario as pedro and thomas rosales jr as the oil worker we see at the beginning and the whole plot of this movie is that there's some oil fields in mexico that got a bunch of graboids in them and uh earl bassett uh is recruited to get back in the saddle and Grady, the taxi driver who was a big fan and sissy wants to go with him. Eventually the task becomes too big. They bring Burt Gummer back and they have to kill the graboids. That's the whole plot of the movie. Yeah. It's you uh, have missed no relevant information. Yeah. And tremors is kind of the same way, man. It's just, it's one of those movies and I mean, franchises by extension where it's just like your premise is so strong that you can just, yeah. do it and then do whatever you want on top of it you know uh it just it's just a wicked wicked premise and so go for it man yeah i, I was, wasn't i wasn't expecting anything else out of this movie i was very much under the impression that tremors og was basically we put a bunch of goofy characters in a small area and they can't leave because there's big worms and they have to get clever and fight the worms Yep. Yeah, that's it, man. It's it's very similar to this movie in that regard. There's not any uh, extra locations. It's it's a small yeah. cast. Uh, well, it, yeah, totally. It's funny. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this bandaid off. Uh, I didn't like this movie very much. <laughs> it didn't feel to me like it got to that part 
where it's just people in an area needing to get creative until the last like 20 minutes. <laughs> and then the rest of it is a lot of two guys in a truck doing jokes that aren't making me laugh and blowing stuff up with dynamite or really, 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 really wooden talking scenes. And I was just like, I wanted more of the, the like, I wanted more of we have sprayed this man head to toe with a fire extinguisher to make sure that these beasts cannot heat seek his body so he can blow up a truck. And I feel like we got a lot of Grady and Earl driving around and talking and uh, the performances are not great. So I was just not in it. Well, I would say you are a perfect candidate to become a Trem head and Hell watch more yeah. of the Tremors movies because you're bound to get that. At least with the first Tremors movie, there's there's more uh, fun little antics and workarounds and stuff. But there's also a lot of um, a lot of dialogue and just a lot of fun in the verbal humor. Um, so it does depend on on how much you like the few characters that are in front of you. I think. Yeah, and I don't know. I just uh. I just wasn't there with like any of these people. I think like the survivalist angle for Bert's like kind of interesting. Um, but like Ertl is a fucking old dry piece of wood and Grady is nineties man because it came out in 1996. Um, he is the equivalent of Rob Schneider in judge dread. <laughs> He's, we needed a nineties funny guy. Um, although they don't lean into it that hard. Um, and then, uh helen shaver's whole character is we needed a girl like i don't know it's weird because um because of it being uh around the same time period and aesthetically like very um similar in terms of like people working out in nature and like being in the desert and whatever um or like working with the ground and with fossils it's like there are shades of like jurassic park-esque presentation and then I'm just thinking about Jurassic Park itself, though, and I'm just like, but that's so much more immediately compelling than this is because I don't care about any of these people. Whereas in something like Jurassic Park, I guess I should clarify, I do. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we so need Jeff Goldblum in this movie. We need Jeff Goldblum in more movies that we do on this show because I can only think of one, and that's too few. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I spent a lot of the movie kind of bored and like thinking it was bad and not super in a charming way um like i think in particular too like with some of the dumb bits where like uh you know grady makes a big chain with a bunch of cans on it but earl and the doctor are talking but he walks in with a big loud funny chain and then he tries to leave but oh the chain is loud we have to watch him leave now. And it's just like, bro, I don't care. Like, this is not making me laugh. And then, yeah, a lot of the hunting is kind of dull for me. I don't know. We can get more into that because I do want to give you a chance to kind of get in here. I don't want to dominate it um, because there is a part near the end where I said where it definitely turns a bit. And I started having a bit more of an interesting time for sure. But overall, I, I spent a lot of the movie bored. And I spend a lot of it wondering, like, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. I got you. So, like, what did you think? What was your take as someone who was already deep in on Tremors? I thought this was somewhere between 
American Werewolf in Paris and The Rage Carry 2. Uh, oh. I really, really like this movie. Wow. Okay. Um, probably as much as I like the original, if I'm being honest with you. So I guess what that must mean then, and correct me if I'm wrong or if this is not precisely why, but... um. So the character stuff must be landing a lot more then, and like the the introductory stuff and the stuff with the driving around and all of that. Like you must have been pretty in for that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I didn't think the acting here was bad at all. I think it's a cheesy movie, and it's not it's not going for high drama acting, and um, the people don't feel like real people. Like this isn't a cinema verite film, but also I thought. They were charming. Um, I mean, I think the best example I can do is that chain scene that you just described with Grady. <laughs> I thought that was fucking funny, man. Like I, <laughs> Two sides of the same coin. That's right. Yeah. I, here. Um, that's so funny. I, my note here reads, dude with the chains trying to help because the monsters go after sound is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I felt real attacked about a minute ago. <laughs> I'm trying to find... I don't think I took a specific note for that. But I do have a note here that just says, I hate these two idiots. Man. <laughs> and, um, and that's a little bit too strong of a point of, for me to put on it. But um, I, to be honest, I think in a different context, I might have laughed at that. But just something about where I was at with the movie at that time, it, I was just... it. The movie had not earned that bit for me. <laughs> But uh, so so what is it about like as the movie goes on and it gets more into like the graboid hunting that was sort of helping stick with you? Because I just thought that part sort of like petered out a little bit. I don't know. Well, I guess uh, what you say about liking the characters, um, it, that kind of has to be the case because you're right. A lot of the middle movie isn't wacky antics and big set pieces. It is kind of just the dude's hanging around as they're exploding graboids because i i think this movie does a really interesting thing for a sequel which is it turns the original movie on its head because now the humans are the hunters instead of just being like accidentally trapped with these tremors things and having to work their way around it this is instead we're gonna put ourselves in the bad situation because we think that we have enough experience and we're above it now and so um when that was revealed to me and and it comes up as early as uh the first really big character dialogue driven scene we have with um earl being offered to go back and capture the graboids for fifty thousand dollars a pop i thought oh hey this is a really cool continuation of the original movie we have a character that was in the original and he's now years removed from the original he's lived a lot of life since then and so it would make sense to check back with check back in with him again um i was expecting this to be more of a repeat of the original um and for it to just be using the tremors idea again and we're just we're, we're gonna make a whole nother movie of just different antics of trying to avoid the tremors things like oops we got stuck with the tremors again how do we get out but i thought that this was Captain an actual out there like oops all tremors <laughs> <laughs> but uh i thought this was an actual continuation of the story in the first movie um kind of like what we get nowadays with these legacy sequels like uh the new halloween movie where it's like you're checking back in with a character from the original to see where what they've been up to since it, it happened it's a real tron legacy situation 
Yeah. And I thought that was I thought that was really cool that they managed to pull that off pretty naturally only six years removed from the original. So I liked the characters. Um, I liked that that set up as to how we were going to get them back into the tremor zone. And I knew, well, I had a feeling that we were going to get the the bigger actiony stuff and um, the the sticky situations later on in the movie. But first, we need to spend some time with these guys where they they are on top of the world and they're having no problem dealing with the stuff that gave them trouble in the first movie. And so, um, them hanging out on the pickup truck and talking and and having to stay off the ground, but also um, at one point getting too cocky to think that they don't have to stay off the ground. And that stuff is hinted at like when the radio gets eaten because Grady left it on the ground. Or again, when uh, Grady um, gets off the truck and, and starts walking and, and Earl tells him to get back. Um, and then he's got a, and then the graboid ends up getting a hold of the truck. I thought that was a really cool sequence. Um, and they're just getting dragged by the truck. And that was fairly early on in the movie. So I actually thought that this movie had a really nice pace where um, it saved the bigger stuff for the end because I think it would be exhausting watching that for another full movie. And also, I don't know uh, if the ideas are all there. I mean, I, I couldn't really think of anything else that I was dying to see them try to do. I mean, and they so, filled like six more movies. Yeah, but who, who, know, who, know, who knows if that's what those movies are, uh, are? Who knows if that's what those movies are filled with? Maybe all those movies are like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross things where they're just like talking in the desert, you know? <laughs> We don't, we don't know because you would think that Tremors 2 is just Tremors again, full antics for an hour and a half. But because it isn't, I got to wonder now what those other yeah. sequels are. And so I thought I thought this was a, a great continuation, very natural continuation. And I was shocked to learn after watching this movie that it was direct to video because I thought that this felt um, super uh, theatrical and super uh, big and um, it and substantial. It did get a theatrical release eventually. Um, it was much like uh, the uh, Texas Chainsaw Master, The Next Generation, our favorite film. It was two years after the movie was actually finished. Um, part of the reason was because um, it almost got canceled because it was really expensive and the studio couldn't really see how it was going to be like a reliable money-making thing. So per the Wikipedia page, a lot of the effects artists and actors offered to lower their rates or do the job for free uh, to get the movie made, uh, including the director. He offered to direct the movie for free to save money, um, which I do think is really interesting. And I was sort of shocked by the commitment to the franchise at that point to try to get that to work. I mean, I think to your point, clearly it wasn't a very big theatrical release. Um, it was like a limited run, but it did eventually get in there. And I think that was clearly through the commitment of the people that made it so they really believed in it um yeah shit i think yeah i think it deserves it and i think that makes uh the rest of the franchise more interesting just when we were going back and listing some of the names of who's involved with those later movies and how they're all kind of related as producers or writers or something that indicates to me that this franchise is like not just a money-making thing and is like some people who were involved with the first Tremors movie were like, shit, that was fun. And so they're kind of just doing it uh, more times over because 
it's it's a good idea and they get to hang out with their friends and maybe make a fun movie out of it and so i think i think that's 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 more interesting than a franchise that just brings in new people every single series just so they can slap a uh, a brand name on it yeah to your point uh test audiences also really liked it and um yeah this movie was shot in less than a month in 1994 <laughs> and then just wow. got delayed a bunch um yeah so you know uh one of the notes that i actually had um i actually took it right before we started talking um this is potentially the least we've ever been given to work with in terms of making things clear in the original movie and having anything for us to go off of in the sequel and i think everything you've just said articulates why that's the case and why if you have seen the first tremors this movie is better for it which is because it's not the same thing and it is using what you know from the first movie to make choices in the second movie that are meaningfully different up until a certain point um but my biggest thing is someone who didn't know shit about tremors like we're sort of talking about here is i was expecting what it sounds like the first movie provides and then this movie doesn't do a lot of that and i also don't have any of the sort of built-in attachment so i'm just like what are we fucking doing but clearly and especially to like obviously test audiences that would have seen it you a fan of the first movie and this and everything else and the cast and crew who were super committed to it i think clearly there's a lot to be gained by already having seen the first movie i know they're not super super intimately tied together like obviously the characters are but what i mean is it's not so direct that you literally need it to physically understand what's happening but clearly i had a lot where i would have gained by having seen the other one and i do think out of everything we have ever watched for this show this is the most i have felt hindered uh based on your explanation just now especially um in not enjoying the sequel how it was supposed to be based on how you're talking about it Dang, well, that, who would have expected it from Tremors 2, hey? Certainly not yeah. me. Well, I mean, you reacted <laughs> really strongly about it, and I mean, clearly, I do think that I would have got more out of it if I had seen it on the movie's terms, whereas um, in a lot of other cases, even like the examples where it was pretty fucking wild that I hadn't seen the original at that point, like The Exorcist or Carrie or fucking Nightmare on Elm Street, any of those, I still felt like I was able to get what the movie like really precisely what the movie was doing. Um, and I had enough contextual information around it that I didn't feel super confused. Right. Um, in this case, it sounds like I'm missing just enough and the movie is withholding enough because it kind of assumes that you're on the train that, um, it does feel like I'm clearly missing an element that would have helped me get on board the way you did. I think in part, because you're talking about how like the, uh, the format is flipped or like they're hunting rather than the alternative and why that being a big chunk of the movie would be interesting if you had seen the first movie where that's not the case. So I'm thinking about what I maybe would have stood to gain. And, um, I'd be, I mean, obviously I guess I'll never know now cause I can't do it over, but, um, that's the impression that I'm getting is that I think in a lot of other movies, like a lot of what I'm missing is, is homage but the way you're talking about it, it sounds like uh, this isn't precisely that. So it would have been interesting. And of course, I'm being a little hyperbolic potentially when I say this, but um, I don't know if it's the most ever. I'd probably have to sit and think about it really hard. But I do think that it's clear that there is a a decent element here that I'm I might not I just might not have had. And um, 
Yeah, because I uh, I don't think I was really that interested in what was happening until Julio gets ripped apart. Because <laughs> that was the first like meaningfully surprising thing that had really happened. And it was the most like horror movie adjacent thing. And then it finally just sort of devolves into running around and uh, trying to come up with creative ways to hide from things and shoot stuff. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. Um, whereas a lot of the driving around bits and the sort of planning and the talking, I just wasn't really there for. It is pretty yeah, cool I that Grady drinks Shasta, though. Everyone's <laughs> favorite beverage. Uh, I think what you're saying makes a whole lot of sense. It, it We don't often get sequels like this on this show where it's a direct continuation of what's been done before because it's normally removed either by time or by cast and crew. It's separated from the original, and so they're not able to do it. And it's more of a, uh, we're going to try to introduce this franchise to new audiences by doing something again, you know, like an entry-level movie. Whereas this movie... Um, to the surprise of me as well, it wasn't like entry level into the Tremors franchise. It was like more intermediate or advanced, you know what I mean? Because it, yeah. it was based on what came before. But also, I do have to say that um, I guess sensibility and just like mood must must play into it. Because in my case, I'll admit that I did not recognize... Um, Neil Breen's counterpart Earl in this movie and because uh, I remember Tremors as the Kevin Bacon movie and uh, yeah as I think everybody um, does honestly so it wasn't like when he showed up I was like oh this is the dude from the first movie and I know his past and now it's I'm wondering how they're gonna work it in I I didn't realize that he was actually in the first movie until I was given these context clues like the newspaper article we see of him okay. with Kevin Bacon or, so maybe I was uh, reading a little bit too far into it, but you know it happens. Yeah. Or like, or yeah, the people coming to ask him to do it again. Then I was like, oh shit, he must have been in the original movie. And it actually wasn't until Bert shows up that I was like, oh shit, I I recognize that bald dude. That must be the guy who's in every single movie uh, going forward. He must yeah. be the 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 big dude because I could I could I kind of <laughs> recognized his face once I saw it. But before that, like. Um, I could have been told that Earl uh, was like in the background of one scene and he was the only person they could get who was like technically there. And so uh, right. he, he came back for it. And uh, so it, it was only through the conversations that were happening where I realized, oh, I see what they're doing here. They're bringing back a dude that must have been in the original and now they're championing it forward. And uh, once I clued into that, I thought it was really cool. And then it helped that, I liked his acting. Um, I liked his dialogue with Grady and, and so on and so on. How do you think, or not how do you think, how do you feel about Grady's constant fashion choice of fingerless gloves? I dig that, man. That's, oh, it's, that's it's good. He, oh, yeah, don't get me he was, wrong. He, he was ahead of his time. That feels like a, a mid-2000s, early 2000s thing to me, so I respect <laughs> that. Yeah, and um, yeah. how do you feel about Earl's use of the phrase, scissors, rock, paper? <laughs> I've heard deeply that before. Upsetting. I have deeply, profoundly upsetting. <laughs> I fucking hated it. I guess yeah, it's things so are different down there in perfection. Way. Yeah. How, how how do you feel about Grady not knowing how to play scissors, rock, paper? I mean, I'll buy that. Why not? Yeah, he's, he's I thought the, that was he's a, the I thought, goofy '90s kid. I thought that was such a funny bit, and then the fact that it comes back um, and is what keeps him from getting covered in. Uh, 
fire extinguisher foam yeah. and then and then he realizes that oh shit no paper should cover raw i thought that was just i thought that was super funny i just thought this movie was a real breath of fresh air like it was just such a fun late night watch um the tone reminded me of something like zombie land where it's uh, a horror situation but the whole point is that you're just with these characters that are kind of witty to each other um in the middle of this wacky situation and then and then you get a bit of the actiony set pieces but still the tone doesn't quite flip all the way to horror it also reminded me of the burbs from 1989 where it's like uh towing the line between uh horror and comedy and 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 tends to lean more towards comedy but still the situation is like high concept and scary enough that that it's it's fun to watch those characters play off of it so i just thought this was real uh real uh fun really i yeah. just thought it was a it was a fun hour and a half yeah well and i will say too obviously we talked yesterday i did watch this movie tired and in bed and obviously we bring a bit of our circumstances to the movie so like you know i'm sure if maybe i was a little bit more snappy that could have made a difference but uh I wish that this movie had pulled you out of your tiredness yeah. and, and sickness. Cause sometimes like I'll, I'll have a sick day. I'm in bed and I just like put something on and it's just like a perfect tired, sick movie. You know, it just like makes me feel a bit lighter. I like when that happens too. Just like the price is right. Oh yeah. The yeah, price is classic. right of cinema. Man, um, I can still uh, feel the recliner. I used to sit in when I watched price is right when I was sick. That's so funny. <laughs> that is evocative. Near the end, um, I think once Bert kind of shows up, it starts gesturing toward a bit more of what I'm interested in. When they find the chewed up truck with the man's arms, I'm kind of like, yeah, let's see where this is going. By the end, when they're like, like I mentioned, spraying a man with a fire extinguisher and then bordering up a warehouse that they then explode, or a man is hiding in like a dump truck um, from a bunch of terrible monsters that can't see, or um, whatever they they... They cover a shirt in boiling water and then put it out on a hanging line to distract them. It's like, I was way more interested in the really goofy, stupid shit like that. Um, that's where I started having more fun. I will say that one thing that's consistent is the effects uh, for two reasons. One, all the practical effects are fucking amazing. All of the CG is atrociously bad. <laughs> Oh, okay. I see where you're going. I was like, consistent? What Did he notice the CG? Yeah. It's consistent in that all the practical effects are stunningly good. Like, Jurassic Park-esque in terms of just being like, damn, that shit looks real. And um, then the CG is very, very, very bad. Yeah, it's, In particular, it's a I'm thinking about the tongue stab that she does okay. with that like broken bottle she like stabs a cg tongue uh, it looks real yeah. it looks real shit but like for some reason they sometimes there'd be like a wider shot where they do practical and then there'd be wider shots where they do cg and i just i don't get why they made that distinction but holy hell it's not good yeah i guess it just happened when uh the cg creatures did stuff that the practicals couldn't do and i know what you're saying that it it seems like the practicals were also in the wide shots, but I bet it. I bet it comes down to like really particular stuff where they just couldn't yeah, get the I'm practicals sure in the wide to shots, do what they the wanted. The practicals aren't moving. Yeah, but that got me thinking. That was it. Just like a. I know having bad CGI in your movie is like a staple of the '90s, but because there's such good. Um, 
practicals in this movie. I was thinking in 1996, could they tell that those practicals looked bad? Because obviously they know it doesn't look as good as... And sorry, I might be mixing up my CGI yeah. and practical words. I'm could could they tell the CG looked bad is what you're yeah. asking. Could they tell the CG looked bad? Because obviously they know the practicals look better or else they would have done the whole movie with CG. Um, so when they have to use the CG, was that just like a compromise? And they were like, and they were like, okay, it'll look shit for a few seconds and that's fine. Or was it like, it's not exact, it's not a hundred percent, but that like 95% looks like a real creature, you know, cause we've come so far. I was, I was just thinking, how did the CG back then look? Well, I'm trying to think, right? Because, you know, uh, my favorite thing to reference when it comes to talking about CG anytime ever is the television show Reboot. Um, you know Reboot, of course. Yeah, we need to do an episode on Reboot. We really do. It's in the name. And uh, uh, that started in 1994 and went to 2001. And that show looks uh, pretty atrociously bad. It's also not trying to look like real life, but I'm just giving us a baseline of what animation could potentially look like. I'm also going to go ahead and say that Reboot probably did not have a gigantic budget. So let's keep all that in mind. Let's broaden our horizons a little bit. Let's think about what was primarily computer-generated entertainment at that point in time. You're looking at video games at that point, and you're looking at the 32 to 64-bit era of games. So you're looking at the... um, N64, the PlayStation 1, and I guess the Sega Saturn. Mm, and, and you're almost looking at Toy Story based on when this was filmed. almost looking at Toy Story. Um, so think about in your mind, like pull up what most N64 or like PS1 games look like. And, you know, that was in some cases the cutting edge. I don't want to draw too many cross-medium parallels here because I know animation games and, like, effects for film are not the same thing. I want to make that clear. But I think what I'm trying to illustrate is especially next to the effects that um were practical, there's no way an audience thought it looked believable, but I do think there was an element of excitement knowing it was made by a computer. And that was cool. You know what I mean? But I don't think any audience has thought that it looked real. Got you. Yeah, yeah, that's probably likely. Um, you know, I, I can tell when I'm playing video games from that era, even back then, that it's a video game. But then <laughs> there are also, honestly, some video games I played 15 years ago where I was like, this looks like real life. Like yeah. SmackDown vs. Raw 2007, I was like, it can't get any better than this. Skate 1. These are the only two video games I've played in my life, basically. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is as good as it gets. And now I go back and I play them. And like, it's still, it looks okay, but I, I can see the seams nowadays. And so, uh, yeah, that just, that gets me thinking think about what time does. Right? Where uh, the flip side too is maybe people thought it was pretty good, but that's because the bar was in a different place too, right? Like, Think about the the OG Invisible Man when that man takes those bandages off and then there's nothing there. You know how many audiences probably lost their fucking minds about that? You know how mm-hmm. we can recreate that shot on a phone right now and nobody would give a shit literally at all? Like, I guess that's <laughs> yeah, how yeah. things change over time, you know? But um, I will say the practicals themselves are excessively good. They're really good looking. 
Yes, dude. Yeah, I I absolutely love them. Uh, when you first see the inside of that screaming graboid because it is given birth to another or metamorphosized into another graboid and it's just like goopy and dripping and stringy inside it looks so gnarly and cool and uh and then you get to see a whole lot of graboid action later on where their flaps are opening up on the top like that little uh flowery dinosaur in jurassic park and you're right there's just there's so much depth to the practical effects and it's uh it kept surprising me um I don't I don't quite remember that being the case in the original Tremors. You get some really, really cool practical effect shots, but um, in my memory, the you see the monsters far less, and it's a much bigger event when you see them, and I think that's because uh, the whole movie, they're underground, whereas this movie brings them above ground, which is also something I thought was really cool that this movie did to differentiate the creatures, yeah. especially because... Do a good job of doing something most sequels that we watch don't which is we're gonna make ourselves distinct from the original in several meaningful ways yeah yeah and and because we got there by naturally continuing the the story of the first one uh, i thought that was so cool and it was just the fact that those above ground creatures looked great like 70 percent of the time because they were practical really amazed me because when i saw the credit at the beginning of the movie cgi creatures by x studio i was like oh my gosh is this whole movie gonna be cgi do they really think they had the balls in 1996 to think they could pull this off oh no and then i saw so so many cool practical effects throughout the film and i was like oh sweet they they know where their uh where their bread is buttered yeah no totally um i think that's pretty cool and um is this gonna change how i felt about the movie like as i was watching it no do I feel like I can maybe appreciate this a little bit more now? Yeah, probably. I think that there's some interesting stuff going on here, and I think within Tremors itself, it sounds like they were at least meaningfully trying to do something here. Also, as is tradition, I will make a passing mention of some of the music I liked. In particular, I do have a note that uh, is the funniest note. I've, I've One of my favorite notes I've ever taken, which is just, I like the music with the monster truck. I remember like a synthesizer song playing with the monster truck. That shit was pretty good. And, um, but yeah, like, uh, you know, I have a note here too, that just says goofy running around with a bunch of dumb monsters is far more of what I'm looking for. And we eventually got there. So I can't really complain. That's, that's the whole note. Uh, I mean, I added the, so I can't really complain, but goofy running around with a bunch of dumb monsters is far more of what I'm looking for. Oh yeah. That's a good note, man. And then I just put CG bad next to that. Yeah, that's more of what my notes tend to look like. <laughs> uh, I then, and then right after CG bad, I put some of it just looks cheap and lame, but this is definitely the better part of the movie. It's at least mild fun. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I, it, it certainly was fun. I can't, yeah. I can't take that away from there you. There is one good bit in there, too, when uh, Bird is looking for something. I think, and Grady asked if he checked all of his pockets because he's got 800 fucking vest pockets, and I thought that was good. <laughs> um, yeah. But then the movie also does that bit where uh, Kate was somehow the precise Playboy model that he had on his wall as an unattainable thing in his life, and I was like, wow, that sucks, man. That sucks a lot. Oh, man. I I, I thought that was, that, that was funny. I thought that's... Uh... Like, of course, it's goofy and cheesy like, like the whole movie is, but it feels very self-aware and also i just thought it was a nice way to uh kind of tie 
ba- basically everything together in this movie. I thought this movie just did a good job of setting up things and paying them off, like the rock, paper, scissors thing, and the fact that we start, uh, we meet the character of Earl, and he's in one place in his life, and then it ends, and he's had growth, and he's in a much different place. It felt very novelistic in that way, like a teen novel, like a Fear Street novel, where it's just like, what happens is kind of goofy and unrealistic, but it's all there, and it's and it, I can see the substance of it within its runtime, and so it worked for me. Yeah, no, and I, I can totally see why that would be the case. Like, I totally get it. I uh, I just think um, I just wasn't there with it for a lot of the movie, but I, I can see it. And I think that's that's more than I can give a lot of movies. I think the big thing is I was bored a lot, and that's a hard hurdle to get over. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, man. Um, Yeah, I, I just, I feel like I really was impressed and got lucky with this movie. Yeah, Honestly, I think as, so, yeah. As, You've had a really as, good season two, Liam. <laughs> like a really Dude, good are we hitting the pattern i said we would uh not I think quite you liked mama mia i think i liked it like as much as i liked scoob i don't think uh i think you i think you might have liked it a little bit more than scoob mm, 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 mm. <laughs> <laughs> you literally said you didn't like i forget specifically what you said everybody go listen to last week's episode but you were like i didn't like this part but i liked the characters and the music and it's like that's just liking the movie untrue i said i, I didn't like the movie said. i said i didn't like the movie but i liked the music characters had no, nothing you to said do two it. things you said two things you said you didn't uh, like the movie, then you said you liked the music, and you said something else. And then, I said, and then ben I said, Kirby and myself all said that means you like the movie. I said, did I like the music enough to watch the movie again? Yes. We'll have to go to the tape. I'm telling you, man. We'll I'm telling you. And, and that's only that's because I don't buy soundtracks. If I were to buy soundtracks, I would just get the soundtrack. I think. Um, fair enough. But uh, somebody write in and correct us because we can't remember our own show. And, someone write in and uh tell me i'm right somebody write in and tell me i'm right fuck interesting oh, if, shit. if this this they better be the same email. thing that finally this better be the one thing that finally gets us an email yeah <laughs> somebody has um, to correct one of us i will say generally speaking yeah then we're hitting the pattern fuck Cause, yeah because it would have been texas chainsaw scoob the fly Two, well girl meets world how do you where are you on Girl Meets World? Oh, yeah. Well, Girl Meets World, taking out the fact that I got to talk about Boy Meets World, Girl Meets World is definitely down there, like a, a 5, 6 out of 10. But where is Scoob? Oh, that, that was a 6 out of 10. So not really then, because Girl Meets World and Mamma Mia were back-to-back, so not quite. Not oh, quite alternating. Got gotcha. you. close. Yeah, real and, close. Uh, yeah. So my, And then mine has been amazing. Eh, eh, eh amazing eh. right yeah <laughs> so when it's good when the getting's good it's really good <laughs> seems like nothing's changed for you in season two. <laughs> we'll have to see uh what the rest of the year holds um that's right yeah but uh yeah so you know be safe out there stay off the ground watch out for those graboids we're going to hop in our truck and drive to a Mexican oil field with a large stick of dynamite and a bunch of Shasta and go blow up some stuff. We would like to thank you all once again for listening to another episode of They Made Another One. 
You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at they made another all one word and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else as they made another one. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and who was right in the debate that we just finished having. It was me. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson, who you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And our custom-made soundboard clips are courtesy of Jason DeLine, who you can find on Instagram at DeLineMan. Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallo. Uh, and I am on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. Hashtag Liam was wrong. And you can catch us here next time for more. <laughs> you can catch... That's going to be part of the outro forever now. Um, you can catch us here next time for more. They made another one. I was really expecting you to interrupt that and you didn't. <laughs> I was just waiting for it. Uh, I mean, at some point I just got to go to the tape. There's no sense arguing. Fair, fair enough, man. I'm going to the tape right now. Do you want me to keep recording? <laughs> yeah, this could, might, yeah, this could be a post post uh, credits thing. Okay, so I'll find where I first start talking. Bands in the world. The rest of them are all just sham. Yeah, I think that's me talking about what I think the movie will be. The anticipation genuinely fascinated to see what this ends up being yeah because no, I, I do ultimately think you are right but i couldn't possibly say that you know what i right. mean i gotta stick to my principles this is tough i mean i'm going by 15 second intervals but um all right did you maybe skip it by accident maybe what if i also start looking <laughs> i go right ahead where man. did you pull it up I just have it on my phone on Apple Podcasts. Oh, I found it. I found oh, okay. it. Okay. Okay. So tell me if you can hear this in the mic. Which is Liam. I need to yep. know if you liked this movie. I really sure, do. I did. Yeah, I'll sum it up pretty quickly. Oh no. Did I li- did I like this movie? No. Did I like Abba's music? Yes. Did I like Abba's music enough okay. to watch this movie that I didn't like again? Yes. But here's the thing. Oh really? You yeah. Wow, what a, that's a you say you would watch it again, and I feel like if you like the music in a movie enough to watch it again, you have to like the movie enough, too. It means the movie was good enough that you would no. sit through it again. I'm not saying you thought it was amazing, but what I am saying is you had to think it was good enough that you would power through it for the sake of the music. <laughs> to be honest, I would probably fast forward <laughs> Because all I all I really meant by this, and I didn't want to get too into it with everyone um, all on the show at once, but I just meant that like if if the only way to hear the music again would be to watch the movie, I would watch the movie again. So I, so that tweet I put out from the podcast, it has a touch disingenuous. <laughs> Can't win them all. <laughs>